0: with Real with Katie and Matt, and that is R-E-A-L with periods in between, and that stands for real estate and life, right, Matt?
1: That's what it stands for. Hello, everyone.
0: So just would like to let you know that the purpose for this podcast that we do here periodically is to let our audience know just a little bit more about us, but also to bring real topics that we're questioned about every day to you with answers. Yes, So do us a favor, like us, follow us, and comment, or give us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this today. We would really, really appreciate that. So Matt, what's the topic for today?
1: Today's topic is a good topic, one of my favorite topics. It is rent versus buy versus holding rentals and all that good stuff. Oh
0: wow, we're even getting that deep, huh? Yeah. So... First question: Pros and cons would probably be good here, I guess. Um, if somebody can rent, and they also have the option to buy, so they can do either or. Mm-hmm. What? Which route should they go? Like, what? What are these? What are the things they should think about? Ask themselves first.
1: You know, and I think this is like a real good point for the individual to figure out what their life looks like. You know, the biggest thing that everyone looks at is. It's kind of this keeping up with the Joneses thing, um, this, this whole prestige of owning versus renting. And I think you should just eliminate that right off the bat and really look at what your goals as a family or an individual are. I feel if you're going to be planning on staying in a home longer than we'll say five years, three to five years plus, I would say buying is great right now, um, especially in Arizona because there's just such a fruitful future ahead. And rates being as low as they are. Um, they still you, are
0: pretty low. I mean, we've been getting threatened box. that you know yeah. they're going to go up, going to go up, going to go up. And they did fluctuate a little bit yeah. last year or so, but, but nothing too crazy.
1: So, so that's where I'd really stop and look. If, if, if you're planning on wherever this ne- next house or next move is for you or your family is going to be less than two or three years, um, I would stop and, and really think about that. And, and renting might be your best option. Or you could be savvy and say, you know what, if I'm thinking about relocating, because I'm in the military, for instance, you know, and I'm only going to be here for maybe two or three years. Well, then you might really want to challenge yourself and think about the investment side of this.
0: Like starting to build your portfolio.
1: Absolutely. And that would be, okay, I'm going to buy this home, but this home that I'm buying isn't going to be more of a home to live in and match all those emotional needs. It'd be more of buying a home that's going to fit those needs of your family for the next few years, but ultimately serve as an investment property after that, because you move away and you turn it into a rental.
0: Right. So there's so if you wanted to go that route and you wanted to start, you know, diversifying your portfolio, let's mm-hmm. say, and throwing a little bit of money at real estate. Of course, we you know love that. Um, so what types of things would you look for? when purchasing that home knowing that okay I'm going to live in it for a couple of years but I need to have something that is really attractive Hmm. to a a greater group of people the largest pool possible that you can pull so what types of things would somebody be looking for like
1: you know I I would probably start off with like the basic characteristics of the home probably a I'd say definitely a three plus bedroom. If you can find one that's a four, that's great. That's huge on the I rental agree. market. I agree. Um, obviously, you're looking for a two plus bathroom because that's also going to attract families. Um, you're you're going to want to obviously find that balance between um, deferred maintenance and what you have um, budgeted for that because. You know, over those few years, you're going to make want to make sure that you've addressed all major issues. You're not going to want a lot of those to kind of pop up once they become a rental. Roof, AC, um, something AC like AC, um, probably really good to have. You know, what we do in a lot of our properties, we realize this with the last ones. We just got rid of all carpet. We have a dog, so that makes it that much easier. easier yeah. But when they slowly turn into rentals, because that's what our goal is. Is we buy a home, and when we move into it, it's about a two- to four-year plan, and then we will go buy another home but keep it as a rental. Right. And what we've realized is by not having the carpets, it's just so much easier to maintain with the dog, but then it's so much easier once they turn into rentals. We're not dealing with that one issue. But there, that's just one of the pieces that you would, you know kind of look at position. Um, in
0: terms of the actual condition of the property, what we found because we just rented a, one of our personal properties back in April of uh, two thousand and eighteen before we moved to Oahu, and so um, what we did or what we noticed is that there's not a lot of really nice remodeled properties fully remodeled throughout Mm -hmm. on the market as rentals.
1: There's none. I mean, they're very slim to nothing. Um, And, and a few people have realized this, you know, the owner of our, of our company, um, he, he, that's what he started doing. He realized there was a niche for this and to put, you know, the extra 15 to $25,000 into a home, get it to, you know, nice, nice, Well you know, I mean brand almost brand new condition. Something someone wants to live in. Um he was he was yielding like twenty percent more in rents and also getting a higher quality tenant, someone that was looking for that prestige, someone that was looking for that clean that clean house that that made them feel good. So, you know, it's just something to think about there. So Um,
0: taking a page out of that book, which we've done because all three of our currently all three of our rental properties are, are pretty highly upgraded um they were beating down the door to rent our place they were like we had our pick
1: yeah we really did so you know kind of going back to what Kate originally asked I would say you know bedrooms bathrooms uh lot size one of the big things is location huge 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 so you might say hey this is not an ideal location for I want to be with my family but you might want to say hey, is this close to a school, a college? Is it close to freeways? Is it close to where a lot of businesses are located? Like, for instance, here in Arizona, like Chandler right now is great. It's over by Intel. You have a lot of people that are coming in from other states other being states. relocated, and they're right. in the same position that you might be in saying, hey, do I buy a rent? Right. And they're saying, you know what? We want to rent. We want to get a feel for this area before we really, you know, plant our feet. And um, and so those areas like that, um, you right. definitely get a, a
0: I can totally agree with that, but also want to want to caution um, the listeners that if you purchase a property that is right up against a school, right in front of a school, oh yeah, that could work out really, really well for somebody who has you know school age children. That could be phenomenal for them. But the idea when you're putting a rental on the market to find a tenant is you want to make it. Um, applicable to most yes. so you want the largest pool possible and you might then be cutting out uh the a bit of the tenant market there by being that close to a school
1: oh yeah I like agree.
0: being in their neighborhood yeah but being right up against
1: them well, oh, I don't think you ever want to be, you know, I mean, I think just like purchasing real estate, you don't want to be up against the school. You don't want to be up against the commercial building. You don't want to be against the main road. You don't, you know what I mean? These are things that you can't change as the homeowner. These are, right. these are beyond you. So yeah, I definitely don't think that. Yeah.
0: But like if you're in a neighborhood and you're across the street from a school, like for instance, our son's school is within a neighborhood and yeah. you know, there's tons of houses across the street when it's pickup time, Oh, it's chaos. I wouldn't want to live in that house.
1: No, especially if you're right next to it.
0: And I have a kid.
1: But that I think that also falls into the same category of, of treating your purchase as an investment and saying, hey, what are the things that we can control and what are the things we can't? And we know that. Um, so, you know, not to say, hey, don't go buy homes at back schools or or, or roads or things like that. Just make sure that you're getting a good deal and you understand. The adjustments the, there, yeah. yeah. The adjustment that needs to be made to that value. You know, Um the, the other big thing is cash flow, you know, there's, there, I remember back in 2005 and six when there was this wildness, you know, understanding where everyone was really just basing their investment off appreciation only and not even thinking about cash flow, which is the worst thing you can do in my eyes, Absolute um, worst. you know, you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're working your budget. So when you're purchasing this house, let's just say hypothetically, you're a new family, you're wondering if you're going to live in this house for three years. And you say, hey, let's buy a four bedroom home. Our budget's gonna be, we'll say $250,000 right now. $250,000 is roughly right now, Kate, okay, what would you say that the payment on that would be um, if you were to put 10% down? I don't know, in the low 1,000s, 1, like yeah.
0: 1,300, we'll 1,300 thir- or something like that. Let's we'll just say. 1,300,
1: 1,400.
0: Insurance included.
1: All that. We'll say 1,300, 1,400 included. You know, you're gonna want to know that you can rent that property out for a minimum of $1,700 when you go to do when you go on the end of this. Mm-hmm.
0: So at least your cash flow is a couple hundred bucks a month. Exactly,
1: couple hundred bucks a month, um, which is great because you know you take that, you times that by twelve. That gives you, you know, if you're doing two hundred dollars, you know, two, we'll say three hundred dollars. That's you know a month. That's thirty six hundred dollars in cash flow. Mm-hmm no hey that's great if you're getting in one of these fhas or a va when you
0: purchase it first yep. because you're purchasing it as a primary property and as long as you live in the property for the amount of time specified yep. for that purchase loan then yeah i mean exactly right especially if you're va you can totally get into something you know no money down um then there's some things with va like uh you probably might have to do a refinance or something like that to be able to use your VA benefits later down the road. So there's some different details in there, but what Matt's saying is true. Like on the surface if you're purchasing as a primary property, typically it's going to be less money down than if you were purchasing an investment property where you're looking at about 20%. 20%
1: usually. And you're going to have a higher rate. So that's another good thing. When true. you buy as a primary, you get a much more appealing rate, um, less down payment, um, so let will do the math. You know, 3.5 percent. If you were moving into this $250,000 house, you know you're, you're you're looking at what? Right around six six thousand dollars and it's gonna be a little give or take. Here. Yeah, six thousand dollars in a in a down payment. Uh, plus your closing costs. Let's just round it to a cool ten thousand dollars to move into this house. Um, you know, if you're making thirty six hundred dollars a year in cash flow on your ten thousand dollar investment. Do the math. That's pretty damn good. Just a couple of years. You know, I mean, that's 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 almost thirty percent on that money a year right there that you're that you're earning, Um, and that's not to mention what's going towards your principal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're gonna have a couple hundred bucks that goes towards your principal at the same time. Um, So fast forward thirty years, and you keep this as a rental. You got a house that's paid off. That's got some really, you know, you got two hundred fifty thousand dollars of equity plus. You know, this, this cash flow that's coming in, um, it's going to be $1,700 to $2,000. Um, not, not bad at all having in your portfolio. And, and if you're under the age of, you know, 40 years old and you're in your mid-20s, I would urge you to consider this. I would urge you to kind of push your chess pieces around when you're making this decision.
0: Oh, totally. And Phoenix isn't going anywhere. I mean, we are, what, sixth largest city in the country. Um, We've got tons of influx of population coming. We've got tons of building going on. So it's not like you're investing in, you know, a piece of crap town that nobody knows about. And and really, how scary is it to live out of state and own a a rental home in Phoenix? How scary is it?
1: It's really not. You know what I mean? It's one of those things just like, I guess, anything in life. When you're you know, if you read any books that say, hey, how do I build my wealth? How do I, how do I increase my net worth? How do I, you know, save money? They're always talking about creating income streams, mm-hmm. different income streams. And this is a great way to do it. Now, does that mean this is a sit back, relax and not deal with anything? Absolutely not. Yeah. You're creating something. So you're going to have to babysit it. You're going to have to take care of it. But I'll tell you what, once you get past that first year and, and, and learning it, it's you'll realize it's, it's minimal effort. Um, it's actually rewarding. You learn a lot, you know, and it's, it's a tangible asset. It's something you control. It's not like something you're just sticking in your 401k. and You're relying on markets to carry it. You're relying on your financial advisor to move the money when it needs to be moved. No, it's tangible. You can, you have so many different exit strategies. There's so many different things that you can do to control that investment.
0: And you can leverage it. So you can, if it makes sense, right? take out home equity loans or purchase other property.
1: Yeah. And I would, I'm going to play the the, the guy on the shoulder that says, don't ever do that. <laughs> you know I mean, I I've seen so many people do that. Um, now I, I take that back. If it makes sense and you are, you have some amazing investment opportunities that are coming up to make, to justify doing that. And you right. have a lot of cash reserves and it makes sense. But if you were someone that's just, you're you're really biting off a little bit more than you can chew by having to take equity out of your investment to do another one. I would say really 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 er side of caution on that i just if you're setting yourself up for disaster if rates adjust if markets adjust if all of a sudden you have a tenant that jumps ship and you know does cause issue can you- can you can you afford carrying the nut on this and that's a question to ask and if you can't then don't even. You know, question doing that um my my thing is, is is the second you go for these refis you're also messing with your 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 beautiful 30-year locked rate and that's well, if you refi the whole thing, the whole thing my yeah. suggestion was a home equity yeah. line
0: of credit and that's not to buy a boat that's to sink into <laughs> yeah. something else that makes sense so like leveraging that asset so you pay that asset down totally you don't owe anything and then you're like, okay, I'm going to throw a $50,000 mortgage on it, whatever the case may be. I'm going to extract that money. I'm going to go put it into this really super good deal here. Yeah, no, that um, would That's work. what I mean. Not, not buying like toys or something that would obviously is depreciating.
1: Yeah, never, never use your money for that on home equity. Um, no, <laughs> that's I, what I,
0: got I, people in trouble in 2005. I was a lender back then and I can't tell you how many home equities I wrote and uh, they drove by the office a couple of days later with a nice shiny boat or something or nice big vehicle. And I mean, it just was crazy during that time. Oh, and that's, that's
1: even on their primary residence, they were doing that. Yep. And that's the scariest part. You know, when, when, when you're truly calculating your net worth, when you're removing all debt against equity to figure out what your equity is, you know, you're not even supposed to use your primary residence in that calculation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So that's just something to think about. Like, you know, you're, you know, you definitely want to treat your home as home. And don't get crazy with it. (laughs) Right.
0: Anything else that we haven't talked about, about buy versus rent that's important?
1: You know, um...
0: Like, renting's not a bad thing. Not bad
1: at all. There's this, you know, there's this thing out there that was... I don't know if it's a generation before us, this whole pride of ownership thing where you want you want to be able to say, I own this home and it makes you feel good and you think what other you know, what other people judge you on. I think that's total
0: not BS. judgment, but if there is something to okay. be said about owning your own home and, you know, being in charge of your own shit.
1: I agree. But at the same time, don't ever use that as like your motivation to buy the home. You know what I mean? If you know I mean if you don't feel that it's right, don't do it. But I also feel that the opposite goes. Don't be fearful. You know, make sure that you're creating your spreadsheet. Make sure you're creating your expenditures to figure out what makes sense for you.
0: In other um, words, don't rent because you're afraid to buy.
1: Exactly. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just rent just because you're scared to buy. There's so many people out there that I hear that, oh, I'm not buying now. I'm I'm waiting for the next crash to happen. Well,
0: When are you going to know when that happens? When are you going to
1: know that's going to happen? And secondly... Once it
0: starts going back up. Because how the hell do you know how low it's going to go until it starts going back up?
1: You don't. And the other thing is, is that crash isn't going to be the same crash that we experienced. Right. There's so many safeguards have been put in place to prevent that same thing that we saw, especially in Arizona. Arizona was hit so hard. So hard. you got to figure, like, our economy was made up of, like, what was it? It was over 50% of... Arizona's economy is made up of housing. So when our housing market crashed, everything crashed. We're not like that anymore. So if we were to experience some sort of crash or some sort of adjustment, it wouldn't be anywhere on the magnitude of what we saw before. And I think so many people are holding out for that, which, Hey, you to each their own, Whatever, yeah. but I, I honestly feel like ask yourself. Now, the other thing is, is so many people sit there and say, Hey, I want to buy when it's right. I want to get a lower price. Hey, if you're going to buy this home and you're going to stay in it for longer than 10 years, let me ask you something. Getting it 5 to 10 or $20,000 under where you think you should get it, does that justify paying 1 to 2% more in an interest rate? No. Absolutely not. And that's where a lot of people, they don't they neglect to look at that. Yeah. They're um, not looking
0: at the big picture. And that's it's just very tunnel vision just focused on price, 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 but there's so many other things to consider.
1: The difference on on an interest rate of 2% over Over thirty years, what is that? Babe, that's a lot of money. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's probably fifty plus thousand dollars. So who
0: cares about the ten grand?
1: Yeah, who cares about the ten grand? Make sure just all those things, you know, match to what you want for that investment for your needs. Um and if you're young, if you guys are under forty years old and and you're buying this house, don't don't buy the home that's just your end home. Buy something that's an investment.
0: Take baby steps. I totally agree with that. Buy See, Sorry. by the um you know you can always move up and then you can just continue to sort of do this and move every you know three to four years or something like that and really build up your portfolio easy i mean that's that's what we do
1: that's what we do and it's you know the one first time you do it it's just like anything it's, it's, it's a new. little scary yeah First time it's new. You're, you're, you're now moving out of this house that you might've dr- raised kids in partially. And now you have another family. moving. I know, babe, that was your hardest part when we were like, Hey, we have to get, you know, tenants to move in this house. You were like, Whoa. It was
0: emotional. I'm not emotional about property anymore. I learned my lesson after that one. There is no need for emotions in terms of property. There's just no need. It just gets in the way. Really um, does. And so I've, I've managed to get over it. Our first one that we turned into a rental, I brought my baby home in. I don't care. I still have my baby. I still have my family. That's where home ends. Not too emotional about the the uh, no the walls anymore. The walls and roof. No. That's really all it is. But there
1: was a period of an adjustment and yes. everyone would probably... It took a
0: minute. Yeah. It really took a minute. I mean, I don't drive by our rentals anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you used to do that? I used to drive... We lived in Mesa, I drove clear to Scottsdale specifically just to drive by the freaking house. like how dumb is that yeah. but you know it, it I guess it helped me get to this point now where I'm just completely emotionless about property
1: and that's good that's yeah. the best way to do it to not be distracted and focus on what's what's working so and
0: really be able to to look at it from an effective investment standpoint instead of having the emotions involved. Yes. It's so much more clear.
1: I totally agree.
0: So anyway, what's going on in the market?
1: Well, the market is, you know, it's pretty much where we were at um, last time we had a podcast. Um, the actives right now, that actives are homes that are available on the market are pretty much the same. Um, it seems like the general feel across all boards is the same. Inventory is low. Um, some buyers in certain price points, especially the lower price points, are, are it's a little frustrating to find a home out there. Um, but you know, there's, there's definite hope. Stay, stay. Well,
0: right. And there are some other, like we have some other ways of getting property. That's not just the MLS. So it, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You want to get into a property, you can get into a
1: property. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot out there. But as far as, as far as the general tone goes, I would say there's a lot of exciting things happening. You know, as far as uh, Microsoft just purchased a huge, huge lot of land over there just west of Phoenix. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, really, really interesting. Like $48 million. Um, that's, that's a large purchase even for them. So uh, it's, it's what a lot of analysts are saying is that they're not going to sit on it long at that price purchase. Um, they're going to start doing stuff here within the next year. The, the, the interesting thing is, Bill Gates personally, about a year ago, he purchased a huge tract of land, right, way further west, and it was his vision to um, start this almost uh, um, self-sufficient community that's all um, powered by solar, have smart homes, have smart streets. Um, every like smart city, a smart city, he's literally wants to create a smart city. So it's funny when you see him do that, buy that land. And it was kind of more of a 10 year plus play, but now all of a sudden he just bought this huge piece of land. So for, is it going
0: to be smart city too? You're thinking or some, sort no, of I plant? think he, yeah, I for, of...
1: he, he, I, yeah, I think he ultimately kind of put, he knew, so he bought this land out there knowing that he's going to have a facility large enough to support this community. So he's might even be able to make it an incentive to some of these workers to say, "Hey, you know, um, work here, live here. Work here, live here. Yeah. Who knows how it's going to be tethered? You know, you you fast forward ten years from now and you talk about where we're at right now from work from home. You know, there's this big study that just came out that I was reading too. They're saying like they're looking at lowering the work week because of automation. You know, what I mean that's starting to happen. You know, what I mean that's just what true. do you mean
0: like? Everybody has like, like a three day weekend instead of a two day possibly
1: or less than eight hours at work because there's so much automation that's being put into play on just every business that they're starting to realize that the actual man hours needed are decreasing. You know, you're also looking at how many businesses are now saying, you know what? We don't even need you to come in the office. You can work from home, work remotely. That's happening everywhere not to mention the crazy part when you start to think about automated cars, you know I mean we had Elon Musk on his last podcast talking about the fact that you know people are going to be able to really not have to drive themselves to work here in the next year or two that's cool. which is which is leaps and bounds from some people's thoughts but still you think in the next decade that's real that's cool you know I mean you're literally living an hour or two away from your work is not unrealistic you might be able to just Shit, shave your legs on the way to work. You read a book. You can sleep for two hours extra while your car drives you to work. You know, so, you know, living proximity to where you work might be a whole game changer a decade from now.
0: Which is pretty cool.
1: That's wicked cool. Wicked cool.
0: Anything else where we wrap this up?
1: No, I can't really think of anything. I just, you know, I, I would urge you guys that if you ever have questions in your, you find yourself thinking about, hey. How could we do this? How could we pick up a rental or how could we you know, diversify our portfolio? Guys, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't. We've done it. Call us, You know, text us, email us. We're here for you. We, we've been through the trenches. We've done this. Learn from our mistakes um, and, and, and capitalize on the tools that we have readily available for you.
0: For sure. We're happy to share at any time. And you can contact us at EvoAZ.com. That's E-V-O-A-Z dot com. Awesome. It is awesome. Yes. All right.
1: I think that's all we got for you. Have a good day, guys. Ciao.